Hey everyone, this is Trey Atkins alongside Campbell Garbert, Jack Vesey, and Graham Copeland. Welcome to the Barners Before Bed Show, Wednesdays at 10 p.m. on Weagle 91.1 FM. Your home for late night Auburn athletic coverage from a fan's perspective each hump day. War Eagle. And with that, we bring you episode 28 of Barners Before Bed, the Trey Matthews episode. There you go, Garb. There we go. Speaking of Trey Matthews, former Georgia Bulldog and Auburn Tiger, we're going to go ahead and talk about the well-debated Deep South's oldest rivalry, the 2023 edition. And I'll be the first one to admit, leaving Jordan-Hare Stadium on Saturday, sure, I was frustrated, as I'm sure the rest of the fan base was. But after taking a deep breath, looking back and realizing the ultimate outcome of what we saw on Saturday and looking towards the future, I have nothing but positive things to say. We took the number one team in the country, the defending back-to-back national champions, down to the last minute. Had opportunities to win, sure. Maybe gave it away. But we battled, went toe-to-toe. The atmosphere was incredible. Cam was back. Barkley was there. There was recruits there galore that had nothing but good things to say. Hugh came into this week saying he was going to adjust the game plan for Peyton, who I thought played well, despite the pick at the end. You could tell there was adjustments made, and it was shown on the field. And in a crazy, crazy year in the SEC, we're not out of the picture to win the West, especially after what we saw in the LSU Ole Miss game. I'm positive. Fellas, what is your reaction? All right. I'll, I'll start us off. I, I, I agree. Yes. It, we're playing with house money in that game. It's the number one team in the country. No one expects us to win. Whatever. So we can get that out of the way. And, you know, guys played incredibly hard. And I'm super thrilled with our effort, obviously. That you, that's unquestionable what, that, what the effort was, where we were at. But, golly, the win was there. The win, I'm not saying we had it because we had to go out and win that national championship. But the win was there. There were opportunities, and I said it before, there were going to be opportunities. Georgia is not a perfect team. They're going to give us opportunities, and we have to take them. And five drop balls and the amount of third downs we let up, we could not let happen, and yeah. we did. And, and, I, and, that's, and that's really what made me the most sad and disappointed at the end of that game was not, you know, that, oh, like we wouldn't got destroyed. But, no, is that it was there, and honestly we played – we didn't play outmatched. We did not play like, oh, they they are way more talented than us. Like obviously they did, and the one player where it did stand out was Brock Bowers. He just was that just was more talent against the less talented. But outside of that, I mean, everybody like our O line blocked the ball, run run blocked incredibly. We ran for two fifty on Georgia. Like you don't just do that. I would argue and we pass blocked. Very we pass well. blocked very well too. And to be honest, like. They didn't. Carson Beck didn't even play a bad game. Like they played. Georgia didn't even play a bad football game. They maybe had some turnovers, but they played a good football game, and we just played right there with them. So like using the argument, well, oh, we just played hard. You know, we weren't as talented. It's like, yeah, we weren't as talented, but we looked. We looked like we deserved to be there. Right. So that's what just that's what really hurts me is that we had that game. And I'm just tired of all these close losses. You know, these close. Oh man, we fought, but. Mm. We just, you know, we're not the team yet. Like, I'm just tired of it. So, that's my take. Yeah. So, uh, my thing is, I remember talking about, you know, what 
what do we need to happen in order for us to win this game on Monday? And it was, you know, capitalize on big plays, uh, force turnovers, and, you know, just try to limit the dogs uh, offensively as much as we can. And I would say those three big things we accomplished. Where we lost the game was just in the smaller, you know, the smaller facets of the game. You know, we were two for thirteen on third down, while they were seven for seven for thirteen, maybe. Uh, I know they were over fifty percent, which is, uh, you know, not eight something. For 13. Eight for thirteen, right? So you know, that's just the biggest glaring thing to point at, uh, besides the drops. But uh, my big stepping stone is looking at where we were. Last week, coming off that A&M game where we just looked lifeless on offense, just seeing that our offense can go out there and actually, you know, we can make plays. We just got to have – we got to find that consistency. And uh, I think a big thing in that part of that is, uh, you know, I don't want to jump the gun and be like, you know, maybe our we just, our receivers aren't as good as we thought or anything like that. I just want to say, you know, I'm still on, the, still on the side that Peyton and the receivers are all new to this offense. They're still trying to mesh. Um but my overall opinion is that we took a huge step forward this week, and I would gamble that we were going to take a huge step again next week, based off uh, just how you know the small th- the things that we did better this game. I think we're just going to continuously get better. Yeah, I mean, we're still just our quarterback room. Like we're a we're a solid quarterback away from being an SEC championship team. I I don't know why you're looking at me like that over there. But, uh, I thought Peyton played fine. Okay, well, and we were many steps away from an SEC championship team. Well, ten of nineteen for eighty-two yards. Like on paper, that's not very good. Five of those yeah. hit a receiver, in that and well, okay, five, five of those. No, nine six hit. six out of those nine uh, incompletions hit the guy in the hand. But I'd argue about three or four of them were just dang good plays made by UGA, just punching the ball out or like. I agree. That one. Yeah. Was it Jay Fair or was it Malcolm? Was it Malcolm Johnson's second? Mal- one? Malcolm Johnson, the second drop, the second one. Yeah. Rivaldo's even like, but I agree. Like mm. when you're playing, when you're playing the number one team in the country, you got to make those plays. But I got to, you got to tip your cap to the UGA DBs as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, Peyton Thorne, he's, he, I think he's starting to figure things out. I will say that. Um, but only four completions to wide receivers. Three, the other three were to Batty, four to Rivaldo. So I mean. That you just can't do that in the SEC, but um, also, like like y'all alluded to, eight of thirteen on third down, UGA was, that just can't happen. I was frustrated with Ron Roberts kind of throughout the game, because like we're just, I mean, rushing four on third, like, the the amount of third and tens, third and twelves they got, we're just like I just wanted to claw my eyeballs out. We're only rushing four guys, like. You got to bring the house at oh, some yeah. point. And a lot of them were long third downs. It was a lot yeah. of third and eight. Third I just and nine I, I rewatched the film like an hour ago. Third and ten, third and twelve. Like you got to send the house. Like you you got to make a young, inexperienced Carson Beck make a decision, make a decision decision fast. Um. So and on the other hand, we were only two of twelve on third down. Um. Then put ourselves in the best position to be successful on third downs at all. Um. Yeah, I mean. Okay, I'll say, let me, I'll say let me, like what Harold, let me say this first. Keep in mind a calendar year ago today, we were all or most of us, Jack, you were in Bama, I remember. But the rest of us were in Athens, Georgia, where we all had no interest in the game by the end of the first quarter. We were in Oxford where we left at halftime. We all these games a year ago, Arkansas, you can go down the line. We had no business even being on the same field. And through one off season and 
Also, you could tell that Hugh had an impact on the play calling this past Saturday. I, I was satisfied with our play calling. Feel free to debate. I It was kind of cool to see the old school read option work as well. Yes, I think Hugh Freeze listened to our podcast last week. We, we were preaching just we need to run the heck out of the ball, and we did. We did. I mean, Jarquez only had 60 yards on the ground, but I'd say like 35 or 40 of them were in the first quarter. Like that first quarter was a good brand of football. I mean, we did everything that we said last week we need to do. Mm-hmm. To, we to, said to, we to, said Jarquez uh, needs to get 20 carries. Mm-hmm. He had 19. 19. Yeah. 19. Turnovers. We won that battle. Did we capitalize? Yes. Twice, both times, touchdowns. I mean, like we time of possession was basically even. We won the penalty battle. I mean, it wasn't they didn't take too many penalties, but we did win the penalty battle and that I'll, I will say, I'll give Carson I'll give Carson Beck credit. I was surprised and I was expecting him to not be able to, you know, handle the noise, handle the crowd noise, handle, you know, just the moment of all that and it, they they just looked like a machine out there. Not no procedural penalties from them. They just they, they really did not appear that the crowd noise affected them at all. I think it affected us positively, but I don't think the crowd noise negatively affected Georgia in the slightest. So looking, looking here, Carson Beck, 23 for 33, 318 yards. Brock Bowers, just mind-boggling, 157 yards. Great day to have Brock Bowers on fantasy if he was in the league. But any, there's from a moral standpoint in the locker room, positively for Auburn – Moral morale, tomato, tomato. But this could be one of those losses that could rally a team together and spearhead a run to go through October, a gauntlet of an October, and maybe lead into November. But on the other hand, for my hometown Kentucky Wildcats, that may be Georgia's wake-up call like, hey, we got to get back to our national championship standard, and they're going to walk into a war zone in Athens next Saturday. So I'm, I guess uh, some conflict of interest there, but take it or leave it. I mean, I don't even I, – I, after watching that game and talking with – I had some Georgia friends in town. Georgia didn't even play a bad game. Like, Auburn – that's the thing that just makes me sad is that Auburn played a really good football game. Mm-hmm. They didn't make it fluky. Like, nothing in the, of that game was flu, fluky. Like, Auburn just went in and competed with the number one team in the country. Right. When they played a pretty good game. Like, yeah. it, all that, like – like I said, you know, and people like to make the argument, oh, well, Georgia doesn't usually turn the ball over twice. But it's like we forced those two turnovers. We didn't – like they weren't just – guys didn't just drop the ball. Oh, no. Marcus uh, Harris I mean, punches Jaylen that ball Simpson's out. Jalen Simpson's pick, then, he just went and got it. Which also, yeah. speaking of, Jalen Simpson, like He's hat great. off. He's been great this year. Hat off to him. I yeah, mean, leads the SEC in interceptions. The nation does and he not. He, he led in the nations as of the game on Saturday. I don't want to stamp that he still does, but at the moment, yes, he did. And – I think he got. He was getting a little banged up at the end. Very fortunate to get a bye week before LSU to get him healthy. So all of our guys. Oh uh, yeah, everybody. So week get, off to game plan. Let Hugh do his thing. I mean, yeah. You know, Add off to him. He's flying around. Yeah, those are my two MVPs of the game. Were Marcus Harris and Jason. Couldn't have picked a better bye week. I'm glad y'all brought that up. It's a I mean, tad bit of a also a little bit of momentum yeah. too. Oh, it's big time. Uh, but just we were talking about the turnover battle. I mean, uh. Thorne's interception wasn't a you know it wasn't a great ball, but I'm not gonna get mad at him from throwing that. Pick. Literally nobody was there. Like I re looked at it. It was like, fourth there, down. There he had to get the ball out. Yeah, I was you about to say can't check down. down on fourth and yeah. nine. Fourth down interception. I'm I think fine. He was thrown right at the line. Rather you right rather line. you do that, yeah, than throw a throw a line of scrimmage like flat ball that's Me just too. gonna get want, two yards. Yeah. Like 
try and make something happen. So that's another that's another thing we talked about last week. Just you know, go try to make a play. Just you know, give us and opportunity. I, and and, and I'm going to be honest, like when he when he needed to, when he put the ball where it needed to be. There's times when you know maybe could have been a little bit better, and some of those drops might not would have been a little easier catches. The balls are still in hitting Auburn receivers in the hands, and we're dropping them in big games. Like we think about that LSU game last year, game that you know just came down to a couple couple miss, you know, not taking full advantage. Speaking of not taking full advantage, that first drive, I was I went back and rewatched it. Clinical, clinical movement with that big Peyton Peyton Thorn run, and we get down to a third and four inside, you know, inside the red zone. Why are we running the ball? And I know we're I know we're run we're a run the ball team, and you know we that was how we were moving the ball, but it just seemed I, I it just seemed like we were running the ball to set up to go for it on fourth and then we just immediately kicked like if we were mm-hmm. if it's if we already know in our head that if we don't get it we're going to kick throw the ball that was my ball. thought process imagine if we start that game up 14-0 instead of 10-0 i that's think that's when you open up the playbook too like we've been waiting on it we haven't seen it yet i still feel like we're just we're not seeing explosive kind of monotonous. yeah just like like our explosive plays from what i remember in this game rivaldo down the middle for 22 yards Peyton thorn takes it on the outside and I'm even putting this in here, Brian Batiste kickoff return. Those are the three mm-hmm. only points of explosion from the offense all, all game. Yeah. And we just got to get those numbers up. Like, we got to be able to – and I think there was a couple drops that would have been included in – because what's, what's the formal definition of explosive play? 20-plus 20 20 yards. 20-plus. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Rivaldo's ball that, you know, was – you're not going to – you can't really get angry that he didn't catch it, but, like, you know, like we said, if we want to beat Georgia, those are – But it's like – yeah, yeah, it's not a necessarily an angry. It's just a, wow, we needed it. Mm-hmm. Like, you like, know, dang. Yeah. it's like a da- – it's just like one that's like hurts. Mm-hmm. When he's fallen down and, you know, we we all rightfully so believe in him as being a possible Sunday guy. Well, if you're going to be in this – if you're going to play on Sunday, you got to catch that ball. Right. Like, you got to you got to prove – got to go above and beyond the expectation. No doubt. Um, and, man, it's just another – Another week in the studio, man, talking about <laughs> what we could have done. I'm tired of being like, we're almost there. Uh-huh. We've, it's been three years. We've been saying we're almost we're, there. We got, we got these little – but, I mean, I do – but I'm not going to be too naive and pessimistic to not yeah. recognize the fact that this was still a good weekend. We had I'm a lot gonna, of recruits in town. They all have nothing yes. positive but positive things to say. I mean, it's – and you can just tell that the culture and the identity of this team is growing under Hugh Freeze. Which I is, agree. And which it's is, growing in the right way. This is the most optimistic I've been all season. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I just feel we got a tough stretch of games coming up. I mean, tough. But, you know, my head, I, I can see a way where we win our next four games. I do. Uh, I still think we're going to beat a team we're not supposed to win. Exactly. And I think the next one the, the next one on our schedule is in two weeks uh, of uh, games that we shouldn't win. But I'm, I'm excited going forward for Auburn football. Definitely a lot of positives to take out of this one. Still some few negatives. But – Hey, at the end of the day, we took the number one team in the country down to the wire. Feel free to send us your thoughts via the text line or on Twitter at BarnersB4, number four bed. We'd love to hear y'all's opinions, but in the meantime, we're going to take a quick break and come back and uh, wrap up the Deep South's oldest rivalry and then take a picture down the road to the rest of the season. Thank you guys for listening to us, and we'll be back shortly. And welcome back. Episode 28 of Barters Before Bed. There we go. Got the headset adjusted. Uh, we're going to continue talking about what happened last week in the Deep South's oldest rivalry. Guys, there's three plays that really stood out to me. I should say more two. 
One of them was a decision that I would love to get some other people's opinion on. He addressed it, and he stood by his decision, which I even respect more, even though I disagreed with it in the time. The other one, and I'll start with this first, is we were up 17-10 to 10 off the kickoff, the fumble. I think there's a possibility that game becomes a rout. If we get that fumble, go up 14, we could have escalated that into a 20-plus victory, which is crazy how college football works. I would, yeah, I would agree with you there. Uh, you know, if, if we capitalize and go get, go get seven. If one, if we get the fumble, and then if we get seven, uh, I think there's a chance that we could have really set, you know, s- split that game open. Um, wait, wait you, the fumble after the half? No, so we go up seven. Right, we go up they, seventeen. They 10. fumbled. We got the ball back. We scored in three plays. They got the ball back, and then they fumbled again. But they reviewed it, and he was down. Is that what you're alluding to? Yes. Yeah. So what? I'm saying if his knee wasn't down and we oh, get the ball okay. and score. I thought you were talking about a decision made. Yeah, so yeah. that's what I was about to get to. 10-10, to 10, I believe around three minutes left in the first half. We go for it on that fourth and two instead of taking the points, going up 13-10 to 10 at half. At the time, I was thinking maybe take the points, go up with the lead against the number one team in the country, but Hugh addressed it saying it was an analytical decision. I respect that he owned his decision and even stood by it rather than what Brian Kelly was doing in his postgame just looking for any out. So that's one of those flip a coin. I wish we would have taken the points. It was a bad snap. Bad snap. Ruined the timing of the play. It was about, that's you know, bad execution. Eight feet in the air. And I, will say, I will three. say I rewatched it just then, and although it was a bad snap, I mean, the guy that made the play was unblocked. Like, you can go back look at it. I don't even think a good snap would have been much help. But, I mean, that's when I would like to see a little bit of razzle-dazzle. We were talking about that earlier on that third and floor, four in, in the red zone. That's when you kind of – got to shake things up a little bit. I think it created instead of going – I mean, the whole stadium knew it was inside zone. So, Do you think but, the game changes if we go into halftime up 13-10 to 10 instead of 10-10? to 10? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Def- yeah. def- yeah. I don't know how much it changes, but it definitely is – I mean, any more points we could have had would have been better. Um, but once again, I mean, because then I guess you're right, because if we go up 20-10 to 10, as opposed to 17-10, to 10, would have been would have been pretty big to be up. To have a little bit more insurance. But we've seen Georgia come out with a statement in the second half when they were, for example, South Carolina when they're losing at halftime. You never know. Georgia could have came out firing at all cylinders and escalated that game to 17, 20 points. I don't think us being up 13 to 10 or us being tied 10 to 10 would have changed Kirby Smart or Georgia's outlook on the second half at all. You still think they got chewed out in the locker room, which 100% they definitely did. You're going in. Probably didn't get chewed out. I don't know if you remember that South Carolina. That South Carolina speech, I saw their halftime speech, and it was he was just basically like, everybody calm down. I'm sure he probably said the same thing, just everybody calm down. They I, they're they're a machine over there. Like they they don't I don't think I doubt Kirby was screaming at them. That's not what like NFL coaches do. They don't scream. They just you just calm your guys down because you know you have a good team. Like I I I just think I think we could have used the points for sure, but I don't think that makes that changes Georgia's outlook on how they play their second half. They knew they needed to get Brock Bowers more involved, and they did. Like it's simple as that, and it was hard for us to defend. That's the one. That's the one part of the game where I feel like we got outmatched was Brock Bowers. There's not, and yeah. and I think every team in the country will get outmatched by Brock Bowers. They might be able to hide it a little bit better with some better athletes on the back end, but he's, he's Brock Bowers he's, is a matchup nightmare. Is he yeah, the best player in college football? Caleb Williams gives not, him at, more, at a non-quarterback yeah, position, a non, probably. Yeah, probably. Yes. Think about this and. An NFL standpoint, the Bears right now hold the number one and number two pick 
What if they took Caleb and Brock Bowers and had that one-two punch for years to come? I don't know what their their needs are, but um, you know, off the on paper, that sounds amazing. Uh, I will say, I don't know. Barbuda point. Do you have have anything else? Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, Fire away. Grab some game notes because I got. I just got a couple quick hitting things. I don't understand kickoffs. Why? Why can't we kick it into the? Like, why are we not kicking it into the end zone? I don't understand. I didn't notice any wind, and then I saw him. He did it. He kicked it half more than halfway back through the end zone. I don't. Is it a game plan? Is it a strategic thing where he, you know, he can get the ball in the air and? So this is probably the one aspect of football I know better than you and Graham Garber, especially in the college realm. Sometimes, and McPherson has a lot of height on his kickoffs, relatively, and with that, if your kickoff coverage team can get down, instead of them being at the twenty-five, you can get them around the fifteen to ten range. But we weren't. That's the problem. That is the problem. But I don't think there was no adjustment. They never started. Past the thirty, though, on kickoffs. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they, they, they started they one at the forty-five one. and oh, they scored a touchdown. Right. That's off right. Of it. McPherson's also Which a is very like, small I, I don't know. I'd, I'd rather just trust, trust our defense to start at the twenty-five every time if we can. I agree. With, like when we had Anders Carlson or when we had Daniel Carlson, we booted that thing through the back of the end zone every play. Like we didn't try anything cute, just like boot it through. Mm-hmm. I don't know that. I didn't quite understand. And then, uh, one more. What did I? What, there is one possession that I had marked down. So, to start the second half, you know, we go fumble. Georgia fumbles. We go touchdown. You know, they get it back. They fumble. It's overturned. But we still forced a punt on that drive. Our next possession, we go 10 plays, 38 yards, punt. But the only reason that we don't get points on this drive is Thorne took a 7-yard sack on 2nd and 9 at the UGA 35. That right there is, you know, I know we're talking about – getting points where we can, uh, that one sack, like, it, it gets overlooked in the moment because we had so much momentum at the time. But that one was huge. That was one of the, the one plays looking back that I'm like, dang, I really, you know, that's where I just want to get mad at Peyton Thorne. But Because uh, we got to answer in games like right, this. Right, because that puts us, you know, next play we throw an incompletion and we're out of field goal range. And we ended up, we, we downed him at the two, but then they went 98 yards. Yeah, uh, I, I had that written down. Yeah, How, so we cannot let them back, go 98 yards. Those back-to-back hurt because, you know, if we can, instead of taking a sack and we can, you know, throw an incomplete pass or maybe get up one or two yards, then third down, instead of us having to throw the ball to get a good look at field goal, we're sitting at, you know, second and nine, potentially, you know, second and eight at the 34. And we're like, all right, you know, that's where I'm okay with, you know, the draw up the middle to Jarquez trying to pick up four yards to give McPherson an opportunity to go get points. Uh, because that would have put us up, tw- that would have put us up 20 to 10. And then we would have been kicking, you know. Then we really would have been, you know, firing off all cylinders because it would have been two two scores to start the second half. I will say this: I t- haven't trusted an Auburn kicker, and I guess this is a direct shot because he was the only one in between since Daniel Carls. I trust McPherson so much, by the way. I, I think he's a guaranteed three every time he steps up, and that could be the curse. He may just go out and have the coldest streak of games and probably cost us one. But I really trust him. I think he's a sure leg. Yeah, no, I, I like him. Yeah, he's good. I would have loved to see him more of him last week, but that's uh, we already talked about that. And yeah, that's, that's in the that's in the ground. Looking uh, down the line, some good news today: the LSU game is going to be a night game. Last time we were at Death Valley after dark it was a fun night. I'm excited to go had back. A lot of bad experience with night games in Death Valley, but 
Sure, but I feel like more recently there's been a lot of 2.30, 3.30 CBS games, depending on your time zone, that we haven't been able to win. I have a lot of nightmares, especially when we blew that 20-point lead with Stidham in 2017. Yeah, um, I, I'm, I feel I'm excited for it. I think LSU is definitely beatable. They're not a, they're not a juggernaut, um, but still, we gotta remember, we gotta remember some long-term key, uh, trends in this this matchup, and we do not fare well over there hardly at all. Speaking of LSU and the rest of the SEC picture, did anyone get the chance to watch the Ole Miss game? Uh not as not as much. I kind of was watching it. Just uh, saw that there were a bunch of points scored, mm-hmm. like very fraudulent 100. defense for LSU. Yes. Uncharacteristic. It is. It is going to be an interesting one. I mean, I don't want to pregame preview too much while we have another game for watch LSU in between now and then. But they appear to be heavy offense, and we're heavy defense. So yeah, they are. Uh, they are currently rank fourth in the country for offensive yards, and then 114th on yards given up. So I I like those if you're Auburn because I think we have a good defense. And I think our offense uh, can go and make plays against their defense for sure. I do think – I was talking to somebody about this. I do think we got to keep – especially good teams, we got to keep them under 28 if we want to have a chance. Yeah. I don't I don't know that we can go into a game scoring, you know, both of us in the 30s um, to score. But, you know, I think we said – I think we said the exact same thing about 2019 Auburn, and then you look at that 2019 Iron Bowl. Which, granted, we had two defensive touchdowns, which helped a lot. Helped us get to the number forty-eight, you know, from there. But I don't know. So, Garber, would you say that's our identity, which gives me shades of the Auburn teams of old: of run the ball, defense, we'll beat you twenty to thirteen. Right now, it is. I don't know if that's what Hugh Freeze wants the identity to be long term, and I don't think it is. But I think with the tools he's got, I think he knows that that's the best chance he's going to win. I mean, I just think he. Hefer has developed a great game plan this week. I mean, it, it was evident that everything clicked a lot better than usual. The use of Robbie Ashford was incredible, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, how, how much we used him was the perfect amount. Um, people still like getting angry that he gets put in the game, and I don't understand it. Like, he I, is an athlete, and he we used him as an athlete, and he played yeah. like an athlete. He so, only had four carries, Four too. carries. Like, and it, it was perfect. So, yeah. everything was designed well. I think – He's been Peyton still could have been a little crisper, and if our wide receivers had just you know pulled some of those balls in, I, I think there's a win on. I think that's a win for all. We're popping champagne. Uh, yeah, it's a uh, yeah. That's <laughs> I I was hearing rumors around our section, and I would like to say this on FM radio. Graham, did you say the uh, the S word when we were in the section? Maybe up seven at one point in the second half. Um. All right. Do you well, know that I'd, particular yes, word? I'm I, to I do. I did not say it, but somebody mentioned it to me, and then he got me all excited. I so didn't I, hear anybody say it on my end. I was on the far end, the far left. Um, to all listeners out here, we're talking about the word storm. Yes. Uh, referring to storming the field. And no, you do not say that before you see zeros on the clock with more points on your team's side of the scoreboard than the other teams. Um, well, I didn't hear it over on my side, but I would not have been shocked if there was buzz about it. I did point out that I didn't like the fact that all the stadium workers were on the field. I was I, about to say I, that. I was not happy that they were all already on there. I was like, we were down seven mm. points, and they were down. They moved down there. Greg so. Sankey, if you're listening, you jinxed us. What's yeah. li- What are what the, the talk about storming is? Because did you all see the videos of the Ole Miss security? Yes. I think that's just not practiced anymore with the security. 
But uh, clearly Auburn ha- had a mindset going in. Well, they have, they also they have to do that, though. Mm-hmm. They, those stadium workers know they stand no chance against a, a sea of Jordan-Hare <laughs> stadium. But I think the university has to put them out there to at least act, you know, act like we're trying to keep the players safe. So, All right, this is going to make me sad talking about field storming because our, I guess our next opportunity to do that will be in November, which also, if Bama has like three losses, I hope we don't. Yep. I really hope we don't. But we're going to take a quick break, come back, preview maybe a little bit of the bye week, talk about what to do during a bye week. And this will be a joint conversation because we're still trying to figure it out. Bye weeks are just sad, man. I get them, but like as a fan, you're just spoiled and want to watch ball every week. You, you only get it once a week. And as we said, for a football standpoint, we needed it. But as a fan standpoint, I'm greedy. But thank you guys for staying up with us. We're going to take a quick break. Be back shortly. And welcome back, Barnes Before Bed. Going into a bye week, as we alluded to earlier, it's mixed emotions. Excited to watch some ball, but again, your team's not playing. Also, looking ahead, and this will be our last segment, obviously, but there's some ridiculous lines I, I'm seeing, and we will talk about that soon. But going into the bye week, what? how should a fan approach a bye week? And I'll just do the most polarizing question in all of sports, first of all. As a fan who's planning in distance, is it football tokens to plan a wedding if you have to have it in the fall on the bye week, or are you still a horrible friend for having it during football season? Uh, I would say definitely better, it's not definitely best. Better. Um, mm-hmm. Ideal is just don't do it in the fall. I mean, that's what you got summer for. Yeah, you're not you a can't horrible do it in the friend. Summer, just do it in the, do it you're in the, a bad friend because yeah. somebody's getting screwed over by you having a wedding I was about to say, unless it's October. I'll, yeah. But let's just say that your wife's family or fiance is like, we have to have it in the fall. Well, I guess that's, I guess you're kind why, of forced to. Why that. would you have to? When, when would there ever be a have to? Uh, well, it's hot wedding in the season's summer. significantly cheaper in the fall, I'm pretty sure. It really? also gets hot if, in if the I southeast. Ga- if I had to gamble, in the summer, you might want to so. rethink who you're marrying then. Good point. Also, <laughs> <laughs> where where like should this, you. This conversation. Let's keep this going. Where right. should you go, like, watch. A game? Should you just stay at home, do nothing, kind of just take a bye week with the team, or should you still celebrate the aura of college football? Maybe go to Buffalo Wild Wings, the <laughs> Mecca. Maybe go to Moe's. What? Or should you do what Jack VC is very well known to do? Go to another school's game. I was about to say that's what I'm doing. That's I'll what be, I'm doing. I'll as well. be in Death Valley. I'll be in Death Valley back-to-back weeks. Are you actually? I'll be in the Clemson Death Valley this, this oh. next week, oh, and boy. I'll be in the LSU Death Valley the week after. So Fun I'll get stuff. to I'll, Death Valley review coming in three weeks. Um, yeah. Stay tuned. Stay who, tuned. Who do they play? They're playing Wake Forest. I have a good good high school friend from that goes to Clemson, one that goes to Wake Forest. So I'll be visiting them both. That'll be exciting. Catching I, I, up with old buddies. No, that's that, I guess that's fun to catch – up with old buddy. Go see Dabo. So, are you going inside the stadium? I'm not sure yet, but I am going to visit. I think I probably will. I'm going to try and buy a cheap ticket. Speaking of not cheap tickets, the Kentucky Georgia game, that's where I'll be going. I'll be in Athens this weekend. The bleeds were a little pricey, but I think that has a argument for game of the week besides Texas Oklahoma. I was about to say Red River rivalry. Red River rivalry also, maybe. is it lame that the Red River rivalry is at noon? Big I, noon kickoff. And it will now be at the SEC game. Wonder no, if that they, would, you know why they do it during the day. It's because of the Texas State Fair. Got to 
That's true. It, I also feel like, is it one of those stadiums that doesn't have lights? Like, I love a gritty old stadium. Like when it's the big, Cotton Bowl. The, the big house used to not have lights, so Michigan I would always have I think they do have lights, but it's, I don't know, everything. Nothing's nice there. What would be, like, your ideal stadium to visit during a bye week? If you could just pick anywhere in the world to go. I mean, is, there's one correct answer. This, the Rose Bowl. Uh, but you're watching UCLA play. Like, that wouldn't be that fun. But still, I'd love to go see the Rose Bowl. I mean, you'd want to go. I'd want to go to a, let's say game I'm day. To go to Clemson. Like if Notre Dame and Ohio State was this week, and I got to pick any game. I feel like going to South Bend would have been cool. South Bend would be very cool to visit. Great uh, bye week. I was spot gonna say too. the Big House. Yeah, Big yeah. House would be cool. You've been Trey. Uh, but if this was just like a whiteout game in Happy Valley, I think that would be really cool. I've never experienced Beaver it. Beaver Stadium's cool. I would like to experience it. Um, uh, Wisconsin a, also. I guess it's because I would love lost. to go to Wisconsin. I've I've been saying I want them to be our next home and home. I would love that. I guess it's because we lost, but I I'll say this: Joe Burrow wasn't lying. This past Saturday, my ears were bleeding. When we were in State College, I I could hear myself. Yes, me. but I think we all get a flawed uh, reality of how loud a stadium is when we get put in the very top of the stadium when all the noise is escaped. Um, versus when we're at Auburn, when we're in the lower bowl, you know, we're right in. next to the band, you know, we're we're twenty five rows up from the field. We're getting we're catching all the noise. I think I do like having that superiority complex over all these other schools that were louder. But, like, I mean, realistically, we're not getting a good – like, we were when I went to Georgia, Alabama, Texas A&M, Penn State, they've put us on the very top of the stadium. We're I'm, I have a backrest against the I will say, stadium. I've sat in a lot of lower bowl Alabama games in my life. Uh, whether or not you guys want to get mad at me or not for that is another story. But they're not as loud – uh, is us? In, oh, I'm sure. They, I, it, there were definitely games when I was younger where it was probably a lot closer before the dynasty started. But at this point, that Texas game wasn't as loud as it should have been. The consistency's not there from start to fourth quarter. I'll give them some credit. Uh, the swamp gets pretty loud at night, and I didn't sit in the student section for that when I went to the swamp. For, for friend the of the show, game. John Wesley Rogers says 2019 Florida yeah. was the loudest game he's ever been to. I'm about to get minus. Auburn tokens for what I'm about to say, but it's true. I think the loudest stadium environment I've ever been in was Bryant Denny when Terrence Cody blocked the the potential game winning kick against Tennessee or game tying. You were at that game? I was at that yeah, game. I, I'll I was, give it to him. That was but that was two thousand nine. No, that was Dooley and all those boys. That was nuts. Like, that I lost hearing for about seven seconds. I feel like randomly you know if you're from the SEC area, you somehow know that game. That it's not randomly. I think every. I think a lot of people know that. But game. it was it was a like twelve to ten game. It wasn't really like a kick six. It was just a. Well, that's the national. Third, cha- that's the national champion in that year. It was just the third Saturday in October, just a normal game, and but it was a great play on the block. But it wasn't a historic outcome. But everyone knows it. I would have loved to be in in uh, Nylon last year. Nyland. Nyland. Yeah, Nyland. Nyland is a. Uh, you can't make fun of it with pronunciation straight. <laughs> yeah, we, mean, we, we've been, uh, it's been something I've been wanting to possibly address. But feel moral free, and moral and morale are not the same word. That's not a potato <laughs> potato scenario. And one hundred percent, one of them has an e, one uh, one no. doesn't. What did he yeah. say last week? Oh, uh, <laughs> animosity, <laughs> animosity, <laughs> and I think there's another one in there. Animonopias. Yeah. Well, do you think someone? We're helping like, you out. You're going, sure, you're going to be in front of a camera here soon. Like yeah, you got a next couple of years. Yeah, I, I have a face for TV. I don't have a 
a, a voice for TV. They'll, they'll just be oh, 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 you definitely won't have a face for TV. <laughs> no, they, they give you a prompt for it. Hey, hey, guy, they give you a prompter on TV. So I'll just like, be reading. They'll tell it. you how to pronounce it. Yeah, that's true. Ah, uh, well, so <laughs> <laughs> the, the, this is also something I've, we've always talked about the home and home. But what's a rivalry game and that y'all want to go see? I'd want to go see the third Saturday in October, even though I strongly despise both teams now. Because it's starting to come back. There's a 16, 17-year period where it was just another dub in the win column for Bama, but I thought that'd be a fun game to go to. Definitely. I mean, last year's was crazy. My brother was there. was on the field, said it was the craziest game of his life. Uh, I think that's definitely up there. I don't. I mean, Red River rivalry. Yes, I, I, I think so, but I'd like to be at one that's uh, not neutral site. Yeah. yeah, I think that one's pretty cool that it's neutral site. It's the Texas State Fair. It's in the Cotton Bowl, old s- historic stadium. But I don't know. Get me on a college campus. Do y'all think Florida uh, Georgia being in Jacksonville is kind of lame? I was I was about to say I would want to go the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, Jacksonville. That would be fun. I I every time I think of this rivalry, I think of the time when uh, was it No Sean Moreno. Yeah, Georgia scored first, right? And Mark Rick just let the whole entire team just go out there and just, yeah. like, taunt the Florida team, just took the 15-yard penalty, just didn't even care. That was awesome. Uh, That's what makes college football college football, stuff like that. Rivalries, the man. They are the best. So man, I just we- wanted to hear Soldier Boy at the end of this game this past Saturday. I was just waiting on it. You know, if we we had gotten that win here here – Hear them play Soldier Boy and see the guys dance on the sideline. That's I would. Just... I want to hear DJ Khaled. All I do is win. Like, I guess we had to retire it because you can't keep. Also, oh, that, this is something I saw it. on Twitter. We... Do you think we should retire Swag Surf? Has it gotten old? Mm. Uh, it definitely oh, doesn't man. hit as hard right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I don't. I don't know. I I do feel like Swag Surf is kind of no longer becoming our song. I don't think. The country thinks of swag surf as an Auburn thing, but in 2017 the country did, and yes. like in 2019 the country still did. But now so many other teams do it. It's just a copycat league, man, and you can't come up with really anything and like without other schools playing it. You know, I would love running through the jungle, CCR. Running through the jungle would be pretty cool. Um, did y'all get? I chills? do like that we're playing. I like our pregame. Yeah. I think our production's gotten better this year. Uh, you know, playing uh, Freebird like ten it. minutes before kick. I like, got chills when they were coming out of the stadium, and Hugh had his. Um, I'm gonna. I'll be the first to say it. I, I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna give props to Ben Brood with uh, Auburn. Every single game, they send out a sheet of what you thought about the game, and they leave a section. What did you think about the music selection? And I. I'm I might be going crazy, but I filled it out and left like a paragraph and a half after week one, after our first home game and the next home game, uh, I feel like he listened. I, I actually, do think I do think it has did get better after UMass. I strongly disagree. There's nothing worse than being down seven and then you just hear Taylor Swift. Well, so the yeah, that's a good that's a good point. Uh, right when we turn the ball over, we we roll right into the mass singer thing that. That, that needs to be yeah, that was that bad. thing that was bad. Well, I think that should be retired regardless. But if a lot of people like it, we at least need to hide it in a moment of the game where it doesn't matter. Like when we're it, up ten to zero. Uh, no, not, I, I don't know. You got to figure save it out for the time. Sanford game. No, during a long TV timeout, and like don't do it right as the TV timeout starts. Like do it in the, for the last like thirty seconds of it. I think yeah. that's that's I the also, way to go. Because uh, yeah, that was that was pretty bad. Hurt. We you know fourth and two, go for it. Oh, turnover on downs immediately into. 
some of our so, one of our players screaming a Taylor Swift song. I'm okay TV. with T Swift like actually being played in the stadium because you got to understand like it can't all just be music that is appeals to our crowd, and yes. so you got to acknowledge that. So I and like I, that we're taking away some of the EDM and throwing in Freebird, and you know I you know I don't think we played Running Through the Jungle towards the closer to the end of last or Welcome to the Jungle towards. The end of last season. No, I don't even remember it last season. I remember been, it like two games. But they've been Academy. doing it, and I and it makes no sense for us not to play that song. As Agreed. We, as we run out of the tunnel. Agreed. So, and yeah, that's pretty good. They're making adjustments. But they're you listening. said you hate being the copycat. We would be taking that from the Cincinnati Bengals. That is their thing. I don't. I've know never. That. No. Yeah. Disagree. Well, they're they're one of the more. We're relevant. not from Kentucky, so we're not as familiar with. Cincinnati <laughs> tradition. So. Uh, is it football tokens that I've only been to my rival's stadium in the NFL and not Pittsburgh? You never know Pittsburgh. Well, it's like six hours away from Lexington, where Cincinnati's an hour, so we usually just make the trip up across the bridge. To yeah, Ohio. I, you know, I, think I it's don't know. Fine. I mean, yeah. DZ's never been to a Cowboys game. Apparently, he's a Cowboys fan. So I live in Mobile, Alabama. Yeah. Be a Saints fan then. Yeah. Never. VC Hoosier. Actually, just stick to your guns and be a Falcons, be a Falcons fan. fan. Yeah, you were a Falcons fan. Then. I know. But, but the, I mean, it rings true. Nobody, nobody the hates worst. the Falcons more than Falcons exactly. fans. Like, well, the Falcons have the worst fan base in, yeah, I think, sports. Atlanta hates So, the it Falcons, was terrible. So. Exactly. So, it was not enjoyable to not be a, like, to be a Falcons yeah, fan. Yeah, I don't blame you. Not I, love, I love VC Who's Jason bases. Witten. Are you serious? <laughs> All right. That makes me feel happy. So, that's a good time to take a break. When we come back, we'll have our picks lined up for the week and uh, – Wrap up the bye week preview. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll be back shortly. And now it's time for the fastest two minutes in sports. The bottom sport bed picks for week six. Who would like to start off today? We'll start with you. All right, I'll start us off. Or so, do, we, do we want to do a rundown real quick? Yeah, far away. I'm just going to give the standings real quick. Um, after going three and one, Trey is in the lead at ten and six in right now. Graham fell to five hundred with a three with a one and three week. I as I and VZ as well had one and three, putting me at forty at seven and nine and Jack at six and ten. So time to get out of the hole. So it sounds like I'm the fifth seed in the AFC based on my ten and six record. I guess so. I, a, I don't know. That record just screams that. But anyways, moving on to week six of college football. Garber, that's a, the ultimate Titans record is going like 10-6 and six and then losing the divisional. I wasn't, I wasn't really listening. I was, that I was an unnecessary cheap thing. shot. Great win, by the way, by you guys. I just want to throw that Thank out you. there. So uh, mine is more of a fun picks this week. Again, you want to have fun watching during the bye week. So Red River, I'm going to take the over, 59 and a half. I believe there's going to be a lot of points scored there. I feel like there always is. There's always some crazy numbers. I, I feel like if there's score gami in college football, that this game's had plenty of them. I'd agree. Moving on, this one blew me away. I could not believe this was the line. But, again, Vegas knows stuff we don't. LSU's really six-and-a-half-point favorites against Mizzou. Give me – They're uh, their dogs by six-and-a-half. No, LSU's favorite. Yeah, LSU's, LSU's favorite. favorite guard. Give me Mizzou plus six and a half all day, all night. At home, too. LSU's yeah. very, very fraudulent. Uh, we saw the highlights from Ole Miss. They, this is not the LSU team we were all expecting, especially me when I had them in my college football playoff. And then give me Ohio State minus 18 and a half at home against Maryland. That's not really a fun pick because I feel like Ohio State's kind of like 
the Kansas basketball of college football, like kind of just token, boring, whatever. But I do believe they're going to come out and win by at least 24. And then this one I feel like is my favorite pick is the Alabama A&M under, 49-and-a-half. We've seen in recent years this game be hovering around, especially last year. It was at Bryant-Denny, too. A&M was on the two-yard line, had a horrible play call, and it was a low-scoring game. I believe it's going to continue with that theme, and it will hit the under. What was the number on that again? 49-and-a-half. 49-and-a-half. All right. Off to me. So, uh, in that case, I am still taking LSU. Yeah, give me LSU minus six and a half. Um, going against Trey here on this one. I'm not in on Missouri yet. I'm still yet. I'm still left left to see more with them. It's still Missouri. Um, it's still LSU. I think the the country's going to overreact about this LSU game. I think. Uh, yeah, give me six and a half with my underdog. Give me Oklahoma plus six and a half. I think this game is going to be a shootout, and I believe it'll be close. Uh, the uh, the over would be very fun, but I do think Oklahoma is going to keep this game closer than than a lot of people expect. Um, UCF Kansas will be my over over sixty four and a half. Gus Malzahn has been putting up points in a bunch over there. It's Gus Malzahn versus J- Jalen Daniels, who probably is Gus Malzahn's favorite player in the country. So I just think Gus would be happy if this went to a shootout. Um, and then Purdue, Iowa, give me the under 38 and a half. Um, not much to be said other than Purdue <laughs> and Iowa. Um, but yeah, reverse line. Corn football. Too. All right, I'll, uh, I'll go quick. So my favorite, I couldn't believe this. Vegas must know something, but I'm still ignoring it. I'm going Notre Dame minus six and a half against Louisville. Uh, I think Notre Dame is, uh, you know, they had their one loss, and I know they they're determined to get to the football playoffs. So I don't think they drop this. I think they, you know, I think they win this one kind of handedly. So then my underdog, give it to me. We're going for back to back wins at home for the Aggies. Give me Texas A and M plus two and a half against Alabama. A and M seems like they just keep getting better, and Bama kind of seems a little bit stagnant uh, with their defense getting better, though. However, and then for my over. This game is going to be a lot of fun to watch, I think. But give me Ole Miss, Arkansas over sixty-two and a half. That's a uh, great game every it's, year. It's always a great game. Both of those teams have allowed and scored a lot of points in their last three games, so it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And then for my under, just an absolute sickos committee game because I think both of these teams are just so bad they couldn't score points. Uh, give me UConn and Rice under forty-nine and a half. Wow! <laughs> yeah. Uh, is that, an, is that a that's an American conference game, right? Yes. Yes, now it is. Yes. That's that awesome. Is. Graham. Um for my favorite, sorry Trey, I think the boys in blue are going to get sculled. I think UGA covers 14 and a half versus UK. Um the last time Kentucky covered that spread in Athens was last year or no. 2 years ago? No. It was a zillion percent 2 years ago. You want to No. Okay. They lost by 17. No, they covered 2 years ago. I'm saying a 14-and-a-half-point spread. A 14 they have not covered a 14-and-a-half-point spread in Athens since 2011, so I think the trend continues. Give me UGA by a lot. What is that number? 14-and-a-half. Right. Um, so that's my favorite. My underdog is a Sickos game. Uh, UL Monroe plus 12 at home against South. Um, South is like 2-3. and three. UL Monroe's 2-2. Two and two. I don't know why that's, that's such a – Large spread, but give me UL Monroe, the Warhawks, I think they are, at home to cover 12. 
points. And then my over, give me LSU, Mizzou, over 63. Not much to be said there. I think two very high-powered offenses. I think Mizzou's offense is very underrated. Um, they'll be at home. I expect them both to score 30-plus. And then my under, I hate to do it because I love this team a lot, and I love to see them just light up defenses. Give me the under of the Wazoo-UCLA game. Wazoo's playing on the road against UCLA. UCLA is currently the favorite. Um, Wazoo's offense has been really fun. Cameron Ward is a stud. But um, I just think I think it'll be a barn burner. Uh, that That's under 59. All right. Thank you, Mellow's QB Camp. And that will wrap it up here. Barnes were bed episode 28. Kind of fitting was the Trey Matthews episode following the Georgia game. The Booby Whitlow episode. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyways, thank you guys for staying up with us. We'll be back next week following the bye week. We'll have some stories from Death Valley, Athens, wherever in the world Jack and Graham will be. Probably Buffalo Wild Wings, but to be determined. So that will wrap it up. From Trey Atkins, Campbell Garver, Jack VC, and Graham Copeland. War Eagle, everybody. Love you guys. Thank you all for listening from us here at Barners Before Bed. We hope you join us next Wednesday at 10 p.m. right here on Weagle 91.1 FM. Sleep tight, Tiger fans. And as always, War Eagle.